Good morning and happy New Year, church. Can you believe it? 2022 is a memory and 2023 is just beginning. Praise God, we made it through and thank the Lord that we're here together. Can I get an oh yeah from anyone? What a gift. My name is Josh. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're with us today. If we have not yet met, I hope you'll stick around for just a minute after service so we can get to know each other. But I just want to, again, welcome you to our get-together this morning on the first Sunday of 2023. And I want to congratulate you, each and every one of you, for having perfect church attendance in 2023. Way to go. Good job. Yeah, that's worth celebrating. Now, before we get into today's lesson, I just want to remind you that every week we get to celebrate the goodness of God in a variety of ways. And one of those ways is through generosity. Because as we read repeatedly, we serve a generous, giving God. The verse that most of us learned at the youngest age is John 3.16 that tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave. Love and giving go hand in hand. And as Christ's followers, we cherish the privilege of getting to give. Not because the church needs our money, not because God needs our money, but because we want to be like our big brother Jesus, who's generous in every way. And so this morning, I invite you to give. There's a couple ways you can do it. There's some giving cards or rather envelopes in the backseat pocket in front of you. This is a great way to model for your children. Generosity parents is one of the ways we do it. Let them fill it out, put something in it, and drop it off in the giving boxes in the back. Or you can text give to or CC give to 94000 it's right there on there as well and it will help you set up electronic giving one time or recurring but let's pray together as we celebrate that moment father we thank you on this new day of new year none of us deserve another day none of us deserve another breath and we certainly don't deserve salvation for each of us by our actions our will have earned for ourselves separation from you. I am a sinner. I am someone who has rebelled against Almighty God. And yet, in your kindness, you saved us by giving us Jesus. And so now, in a very small way, will you take the gifts that we give as a symbol of our love for you and our desire to be a part of what you are doing. We ask this in the greatest gift's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, again, welcome to our first gathering of the year. And as I already jokingly said, congrats on your perfect church attendance. Now, for some of us, that may not be your priority this year. Uh, Although I do hope that you will make being a part of the body of Christ a priority. If you're from out of town and you're visiting and you don't have a church home back home, we invite you to find a church home back home that you can plug into, be a part of. So that you are not only giving, but also receiving the benefits of the community of faith. But here's what I want to do this morning. The reality is, and take very special note of this statement, please. There's a truth that every one of us, although you may not be able to quickly articulate it, every one of us has a picture or an ideal for their life. We would call that a plan A, it is what you are hoping to accomplish, what you're hoping to see happen, 
It is what you desire to come to fulfillment. And it is often at the beginning of the new year that we are more aware and sensitive to these things. So for some of us, your plan A for this year is you're going to get in shape. And that's a great goal. For others, it's to be more intentional about generosity or about being grateful. Maybe you want to spend more time with your wife or your spouse or your kids and you want to be someone who is relationally connected. For others in here, your plan A is to get out of debt or start a business or travel to some exotic places. And for some of us, those exotic places are just soddy daisy. It's just anywhere outside of our own four walls, it's exotic. Amen? Okay, maybe you don't have kids. I'll say amen for me on that one. And so for some of us, we have different plan A's. But hear me now. While God has great things in store for you, I believe this. And I believe 2023, if you will walk hand in hand with your Savior, can be one of the best years of your life. It will not be a plan A year. Because we do not live in a plan A world. Plan A was God and man together without sin. Guess what? We only got to the third chapter of the story before we went went to plan B because we messed it up. But here's what I want you to hear this morning. Even in plan B moments, God is at work. And so I want to share with you this morning a passage that has been strangely encouraging to me over the past week as I read from Mark chapter 5 and I see the plan B moment and how God has this ability to take plan B moments and bring about beautiful, beautiful things. And let me sort of catch you up to speed in Mark chapter 5. Jesus, this is just sort of a day in the life of our Savior. And in the previous chapter, Jesus has just healed a demon-possessed man. He has liberated someone from the bondage of Satan's sin and ultimately death. And now, He's just trying to get a breather. But the crowds hear about what he's done, so they begin to come around him. They press in. And so Jesus, being Jesus, gives up plan A of just time away and ends up interacting. And he's beginning to do so. He's talking. He's interacting. When all of a sudden, a worried father presses through the crowd, and you can almost see it. He's just shouldering through, pushing his way, until he comes face to face with Jesus. And this man, by the name of Jairus, says to Jesus, Jesus... My 12-year-old daughter is on the verge of death. We have no hope but you. Will you please come and heal my daughter? And so now Jesus not only goes away from plan A of his time away to plan B with the people around him. Now he's like on to plan C because now he's going to go with Jairus. But along the way as they're pushing through the crowd, rushing to the home where this little girl is on the verge of death, something happens. A woman in the crowd touches Jesus. She's been sick, we're told, for 12 years. Interesting, the story deals with these two 12s. We can talk about that later. But now he is touched and she is healed. We learn that she has had some sort of internal bleeding, most likely a feminine issue where she's just constantly in pain, maybe anemic. But she touches Jesus and she is healed and he notices that power went out from him and he does the unthinkable as he's racing to save this little girl from death. Jesus stops and interacts with this woman. And if you've ever been in a moment where you felt like God was just not on time, this passage is for you today. Because Jesus, in a moment where he should have been moving quickly, seems to pause and go off track, go to plan B, and everything changes. Now, Jesus, of all people in human history, did not have time 
to be interrupted. Maybe like you, you have a plan for your life. Plan A, you're going to do great things. You're going to go great places. You're going to be an influence in other people's lives. I don't know what your plan A is. But the reality is, we all hit plan B moments in this world, don't we? Can I get a yes from anyone? In fact, here's some plan Bs for some of you out here. No one plans to have cancer at 36 years old, do they? No one plans to get fired from their job at 54 when it gets a little bit more difficult to find a new job. No one plans to be divorced twice at 45 or alone and depressed at 26. And I've yet to meet anyone who struggles with infertility who says, that was my plan. Or a spouse who lost another spouse way too soon say, that was my plan. And so Jesus comes onto the scene where you see people with all sorts of plan A's, plan A's, plan A's, and they're not working. And Jesus, the, the, the busiest man alive, is now thrust into a plan B situation. Now let's just talk for a moment. Jesus, most important person who's ever lived. Is that a yes? Absolutely. By the way, not only is he the most important person who's ever lived, he has the most important message to ever be shared. And he only has three, three and a half years to do it. He has no time for interruptions or plan Bs, does he? In fact, if you were to plan out Jesus' schedule, how would you do it? Let me show you my plan A schedule for Jesus' day. Wake up at 5 a.m., Begin the healing and preaching around 6 a.m. Squeeze in a tight lunch, but it's going to be a working lunch because you'll be interacting with people in the process. Followed by training the apostles, coaching them up. After all, they're a bunch of knuckleheads who need to know what to do when he's gone, correct? And then, after that, work on that oh-so-important how-to-be-a-Christian manual that I wish this thing included. And then squeeze in a tight nap between 2 a.m. to 5 a.m., then rinse, repeat. After all, Jesus, you got a lot to do. Plan A, plan A, plan A. But notice Jesus doesn't do that. In fact, take heart for any of you who think that your God doesn't have time for you. Jesus is grace all the time. He is patience all the time. He is never in a rush or hurry. He's never worried about the outcome of life. And although you may be stressed, he is taking it in stride. Jesus handles things in ways I wish I did often. I'm so busy trying to share the message of Jesus or preach the message of Jesus that I don't don't have time to simply live the message of Jesus. And so now we find ourselves in this moment. And I just want to share with you three things from this passage that I'm learning about living in Plan B because in 2023 it's going to be a good year, but it will be Plan B year. Uh, Some of you don't believe me. Let's just do this. 2020... Did any of you in January of 2020 have certain plans that were upended by March of 2020? Anyone at all? Any of you still dealing with some of that? Yeah. Okay, so we're all together on this? So let me just walk you through three things I'm learning and I hope to share with you. Because if you can grasp this deeply, brothers and sisters, in 2023, although it may not be your plan A, it will be a beautiful year. Here's the first thing we see from this passage It's in plan B that I learn God's wisdom. I learn God's wisdom in plan B. Let me just remind you, you have these two women who are in need. One has been chronically sick for 12 years, this woman, while a little girl is critically sick. Chronically versus critically. Now, if you are a doctor, a doctor looking at these two cases would say, treat the more critical problem First, it's not that the chronic one is unimportant, but the critical one has to be dealt with now because there may not be a later. 
Yet Jesus, in this moment, doesn't seem to understand what every basic medical student understands, let alone doctors. And you can almost imagine Jairus when he's looking at Jesus going, we don't have time for this. Don't you know what is most important, Jesus? And I love Jesus. He's just kind of like Jairus. I know what is most important more than you do in this moment. See, let's just kind of set the stage for a moment. This woman had more than a physical need. Yes, she had a physical problem, but it had become a financial burden. She had given up all of her money seeking help from different doctors. Not a one of them could help her. And so she was through those never-ending cycles of embarrassment of having yet another doctor and yet another painful procedure, never figuring out what is quite right until she has nothing left. She is physically broken, she's financially broken, and even worse, she is socially and spiritually broken. In their culture, if you had a, a blood discharge, you were considered ceremonially and culturally unclean. You couldn't be around people. She wasn't supposed to be in that crowd. She wasn't supposed to touch people because she was unclean. So socially, she should not have been around people and could not be around people. This also meant she could not go to temple or to synagogue. She could not be with the people of God even. The center of their community, she was an outcast. And let's take it a little step further. In their culture, people who had a chronic illness were often thought to be cursed by God. After all, if you were a righteous person, you would not have this problem, right? By the way, do we ever have that kind of a view that people who are doing well must be blessed by God and those who are not doing well, oh, they must have done something wrong? She is in every way an outcast and she is in that crowd for that moment and what she thought she needed was physical healing but Jesus knows she needs something much more and if he does not address the situation then there may never be a next time. And so he pauses. He deals with it. Jesus understands things you and I do not understand. And my plan A, as much as I wish it were the case, often it's in plan B that I begin to see the wisdom of God at work. In fact, I love this moment when he stops to look for her and he sees the woman. He uses this tender phrase to talk to her. Notice this phrase in verse 34. He calls her daughter. Daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And be freed from your suffering. Now here's the thing. She knew she was healed. Why does Jesus need to say this out loud? Because she's not the only one who needs to know she is welcome there. Everyone around her who had said you're an outcast needs to know she is safe to be around, that she is healed. But it's not just he says woman or you. He calls her by the most tender name of a father to a child. You are not an outcast, but you are a part of my family. You have been brought in. It's in these plan B moments we see the wisdom of God, not just for the individual, but for the community. Isn't it true that sometimes the most broken moments of your life don't just bring healing to you, but they bring people closer together? Isn't it true that when that friend of yours or that spouse passed away, some of the people that you did not even know existed showed up because they loved you? And isn't it true that sometimes in those moments when things are at their worst, that is when you see the grace of God the best? And so we see here, I remember years ago having one of those unplanned conversations with my dad. By the way, any of you parents have some of those unplanned conversations with your kids? Your kid shows up and begins to just talk. And you're thinking to yourself, if you're like me, you're thinking, I'm kind of busy. Now's not a good time. 
But next Tuesday is wide open. Can we talk then? Quick question. Does that work with children? No. It's in those unplanned conversations that sometimes the greatest moments happen. Isn't it true? One of those moments happened to me about 33 years, 34 years ago. My, our dog, she was a collie. By the way, just a quick guess. What do you think we named our collie, church? Yeah, some of you grew up in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah, Lassie. So our dog, Lassie, here, girl. She comes, and she has puppies. And I remember just all of a sudden, they start coming out. And I'm like, what is going on? And my dad's there, and I'm like, is that going to happen to me? Like, if I eat something, what happens? And I said, so, so how does this work? And he said, let's go have a conversation. And he took me next door. There's a big field next door to our house. And we sat in that field for over an hour. And I can point to you the exact spot we sat in. And he began to tell me about the awkwardness of the birds and the bees and all the things. And my eyes are getting bigger and bigger. And he's going, it's okay. Here, here's the thing. I guarantee when he woke up that morning, he did not say, my plan A is to have an awkward conversation with my son about the birds and the bees in someone's field. But over 30 years later, I remember that moment as one of the most important bonding moments with my dad. That wasn't his plan A, but in the plan B, I got to see the wisdom of God at work. Do you understand that it's in the plan B moments that you will see God show up and you'll see his wisdom in ways that you cannot otherwise see? I think about that beautiful quote by Tim Keller where he says, Jesus will always give you what you would ask for if you knew what he knows. See, I asked for plan A because I don't know what he knows. He gives you and me what we would ask for if we simply knew what he knows. So point number one, it is in plan B that we see the wisdom of God. And number two, in plan B, I see God's power most at work. You and I will see God's power at work most in plan B. Because as this woman is being healed and drawn into the community of faith, this father named Jairus gets the bad news. And this is that soul-crushing moment that some of you have experienced where the phone call comes, the knock at the door happens, the friend tells you, your child is not coming home. They're gone. Something's happened. And in this moment, he gets word from his servants that your daughter is dead. And notice the phrase, your daughter is dead. And then they ask this question that is gut-wrenching, but just, it's the obvious question. So why bother the teacher anymore? Hey, your daughter is gone. Why bother Jesus anymore? And here's what I need you to see. Let's dig a little deeper here. Do you understand that this question has an assumption built into it? Do you see the assumption? See, the assumption is before, when your daughter was alive, Jesus, he had enough power to heal the sick. But his power does not extend to raising the dead. See, your God and my God, he's a big God, but he is not big enough to deal with your plan B. He can deal with every one of your plan A situations. If this doesn't work just right, well, I know, okay, he's got it. But plan B, C, D, Z, that's too big. I love Jesus, though. As he hears this, we're told this. He says, don't be afraid. Of course, I'm thinking, too late, Jesus, it's over. But he says, just believe. Now, here's what's so interesting about it. Plan A, Jesus, you can do this. Plan B, you can't do this. Quick time out. How many of us this morning have a column of things that you believe God just can't do? It's like, I know he can do this. 
But this column over here, this is too big for him. The marriage is too far gone. The kids are too far gone. The job's too far gone. Even this addiction is too, too strong. I can't do this. He can do those things, but he can't do these things. It's in plan B that we begin to see the true power of God because they are about to see something they would not see if he had shown up in their plan A. Jesus walks into that little girl's room and his little girl wake up. He walks in and he raises the dead like waking a sleeping person. They see something that they would never have seen. Is it possible that you and I miss out on the miracles of God because we are unwilling to allow him to be at work in plan B's? We require him to only show up in plan A. What miracles do you and I miss because we never are in a position to see God at work? How many of you remember that moment when Jesus is in the boat and the sea is not so calm? Any of you remember that little moment in Scripture? There's this little moment where Jesus is asleep in the boat and the ship is just tossed and turned by this nasty squall. And it is not good. The apostles are there. They're thinking, plan A, we're going to have a nice little boat trip. We're about to die. That's not even plan B. That's plan triple Z down the way. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that we're going to die? And again, there it is again. There is that assumption underneath the question. The assumption is since we believe in God, we should never be in danger of sinking. (laughs) Hey, if I believe... Nothing bad should ever happen to me. By the way, that is called the prosperity gospel. The idea that if you have just enough faith, you'll be happy, healthy, and well. And it is not biblical. Jesus tells us, in this world you will have what, church? You'll have trouble. But take heart, he goes on to say, I have overcome the world. He does not take you out of the problem. He joins you in the storm. And there's this assumption, though, that if God loves me, he will not let me be in the storm. And in fact, God, if he is really powerful, should be so powerful to hear my prayer that I won't even get to the storm. But it is in plan B that we begin to see the power of God. I've told you before the story, and I know this isn't everyone else's story, but I remember vividly when my sister Megan was about 10 years old, she has scoliosis of the spine, just means it does like an S-curve. And she went in for an annual checkup just to check out where things were. And it, was it progressing? Was it getting worse? And the doctors, they take her back. They start doing some x-rays. And they take the pictures. And my mom and dad are waiting in the waiting room. But what should have been a five-minute wait turns into a 45-minute, now an hour. And dad grabs one of the doctors and says, what's going on? And he grabs my parents, takes them into the back room, puts up the slides with the images of her spine. And he says, do you see... Here's her spine. Do you see that black mass right there? She's got a tumor wrapped around her spine. I just want to tell you, that is not the plan A of any parent to hear. And they said, so what we're going to do is we're going to have to bring her back in, do some more pictures to figure out not if, but when and how to do surgery on her. And that night, my parents started calling friends. The church began to pray. People that we didn't even know around the country began to pray for my sister, Next day, they go back into the doctor. They start doing the whole thing. And what should have taken five minutes, another 45 minutes, another hour. And finally, they're going, what's going on? So they bring my parents back in. They put up the slides. They say, this was yesterday. There's the black mass. Here's today. There's nothing there. We don't know what has happened. And my parents both, in one moment, said, we do. Because in this plan B, we are seeing the power of God that we would otherwise never see. 
Do you hear me, church? This year, you're going to have moments where plan B happens and it is not what you want. But take heart. He has overcome the world. And although there is no guarantee of an earthly miracle, you will experience the presence and power of God in a unique way. And number three, it is only in plan B that I am truly secure. Now, let me explain this one because I know this doesn't make a lot of sense. Let me explain. Plan A is Josh's plan for his life. Josh's plan for his life includes certain things and does not include other things. How many of you would say you have a plan A for your life? Anyone in here? You have certain things you want to happen and you have other things you don't want to have happen. We all on the same page? Now, you may have lived long enough to know it doesn't always work out that way, but we still have, as of where we are today, what our plan A is, don't we? I mean, anyone in here just saying, man, this year, my plan A is to get cancer. Anyone going, yeah! So here, Here's the thing. Plan A, I have to be in charge. I'm responsible for the outcome. This is how it must work. Why? Because it is my plan for my life. Yet who among us has ultimate control over the outcome of every moment of their life? No one. And if the only way you feel secure is for you to experience plan A, then friend, you're going to have a miserable life, always worried and anxious. But it's in plan B when you realize you are not in control of all that happens around you, but there is one over it all that you can for the first time experience security. Let's put it this way. Some of us think that God's love is contingent on God's performance on doing what we want Him to do. But Scripture teaches that God, before time began, saw you and He knew you and He has seen every day of your life, the psalmist says, and He has, according to Jeremiah, planned out good things for you. Not always easy things, but He has seen it all. His, hear me now, is it possible, let's just put this up, is it possible that your plan B is really God's plan A? That sometimes the things you think, man, this cannot happen, this is not the way it's supposed to be. God is saying, I have seen it, I am working through it. Romans 8, 28. God works what? How many things is it? Some things or all things? All things. Works out all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He does not say all things are good in and of themselves. But God has seen the tapestry of your life and he is going to weave it out to his perfect ending. And it's only in plan B that you and I will begin to find security because it will not be in ourselves. It will be in Jesus Christ. And so this year, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for what God is going to do through this church body, what he's already doing. But I guarantee you, whatever our plan is today, it's going to change. But I also guarantee you there's one who will never change and he will be there with us through it all.